In the summer of 2020, with the state of college athletics in flux, a group of players from the Pac-12 published a letter in the Players' Tribune. The article, titled Hashtag We Are United After Their Movement, demanded increasing health and safety protocols in the face of coronavirus, as well as long-term goals of economic and racial equity. Elijah Guidry, a defensive back from UCLA, was one of two signatories from the university. This week on UCLA Radio Podcast, I talk with Elijah about the We Are United movement, his experience with college football during a pandemic, and the future of his student-athletes' rights. Elijah, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, no problem. So I guess for the for the people who don't know, I was wondering if you could first just talk about what exactly the We Are United movement is and uh, what the genesis was um, and kind of what the goals of the movement were. Yeah, so the We Are United movement, um, it was just, it started with a few guys in the Pac-12 um, over, the, over the summer of 20, 2020. I'm just talking about the COVID protocols and kind of um, kind of feeling shaky about how they were going to handle COVID during the season with the with all the uh, cases that a few teams were having. And it grew into guys coming together and seeing the um, the, this, the problems with college football and um, the exploitation and different things like that, that um, not everyone knows about and just shining a light on that so it was it was just a players like a players rights movement um that 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 was born uh, through covid precautions as well as um ensuring eligibility precautions so it came together as that just some guys in the pac 12 um, talking on zoom which is doesn't usually happen across teams but this summer we had the opportunity with um, with COVID-19 to be able to talk with people on other teams and come together and really um, take a stand uh, for what we be- what we believed was right um, and making that list of demands that included uh, things on player eligibility, COVID safety, um, revenue share, um, different things that, that we highlighted uh, that we that we strongly believed in and we feel like um, should be uh, on the agenda of change with college sports in America. Yeah, and I, like you had said, the movement was pretty far-reaching in kind of the goals that it established, um, not only talking about COVID safety, which was really brought into the limelight, um, and, you know, the whole college season, college football season even being in jeopardy. Um, was there a particular cause that made you involved uh, you know, specifically involved in it? Um, like, how did you particularly get involved? Like, did someone hit you up or were you, you know, were you drawn to it for a specific reason? Yeah, so uh, one of my teammates was, like, actually in in the group before me. And we had a conversation just about different things. And he invited me to one of, one of like, the earlier meetings that we had as a We United group. And then I just, like, um, really believe what they were saying, and I mean all the uh, all the stuff that we talked about with player safety and getting that eligibility for athletes uh, in the midst of a season that was in jeopardy. Uh, I feel like all those things just kind of uh, were things that I believed in and things that I felt strongly about. So 
um, I just took the next step and, and uh, became a part of the group. And after that, we just continued to like, put our minds together as long as, uh, also with the help of the NCPA um, to like create that, help create that, um, that list of demands and uh, talk with guys on our team and kind of spread the word and just, um, just getting guys kind of letting guys know that we're, that we're looking out and we're trying to, we have, we have the players mind, we have the players, uh, players backs, you know, cause the schools, I mean, I feel, or not saying the schools don't, but it's not the first priority sometimes, you know, sometimes the, you know, sometimes they're more worried about uh, the profit and what, what they're making from students. They don't really have the student's mind, the student's best interests. So that's something that, um, that we were fighting for, for the players' best interests uh, and with, with better pro COVID precautions for player safety and then player eligibility and scholarship protections uh, for players that didn't feel comfortable and wanted to opt out. So we were just really looking out for players and putting players first, which is something that seldom happens in college football and all college sports. I, I think you highlighted a, a particular thing that I was also interested in, which is that, you know, there's kind of this division uh, division between the players and the, and the coaches and the athletic directors. And it's not to say that you all can't work together. Obviously, you have to, given the, the structure of college football, but there was a particular incentive for football to come back. And players oftentimes are opposing opposition, you know, the safety protocols and stuff like that. Um, there was kind of at the time, there was a, a situation not at UCLA, but at Washington State, where one of the coaches, um, uh, Nick Rolovich, um, you know, had seen that there was a player on the team who had signed for the uh, We Are United, who had signed the We Are United uh, movement, uh, you know, kind of statement, and said that that was going to be an issue. I was wondering if there were any other experiences that maybe UCLA students had had um, with coaches and athletic directors, like, did you hear back from them about your uh, involvement in the movement? There wasn't, there wasn't any uh, animosity as there was with the, um, with the Washington State incident. Um, I was able to speak to our coach about it. And I mean, he definitely, um, he definitely saw that uh, I mean, he saw the what we were doing, and he wasn't in opposition with it. Like again, like what we were doing wasn't really attacking one coach or one AD. It's not like uh, it's not like we were signing like, oh, I hate my coach. I'm doing this. I'm reveling. You know, it's it was just like we're just, we were just going against a system that uh, really sees us as like numbers. You know, four years in four. Four years in, and if you graduate, you graduate. If not, we got the next recruiting class that's going to fill your place, you know. So we were just um, uplifting players. And uplifting players doesn't mean that you have to pull down coaches or you have to pull down administrators. Like, we don't have to be in opposition because we're all, at the end of the day, we're on the same, we're on the same team and we're on the same organization. But they're there are things that are wrong uh, in the system of college sports that we shed light on that 
would affect people in those positions. So I feel like it was just um, just having those conversations and seeing, I feel like a lot of people, as I said earlier, they don't really see, um, they don't really see these systemic, uh, like these, um, like these systemic, systemic barriers or like systemic uh, parts of the system that, um, that how efficiently the, that college athletes are put in and put out and that they don't really get to have that normal life of a college student. But even though the resources are there for them to have, for a potential to have something like that, but it's just like players are kind of get used for their athletic abilities. And after that, it's just, I mean, whatever else you do, you do. So it was just, it was just players kind of going against the system more than a specific coach. So it that's why it was so disappointing and so sad that um, that Washington State coach acted in that way because it wasn't we weren't attacking no one was attacking him personally you know we were just trying to uplift players so it was it was something that I mean we were very very disappointed in how he acted and we rallied behind um, Cassidy uh, who the incident happened to but yeah, it was just, um, I mean, it was something that, that we, it's something that brought us more together and it kind of showed that, okay, we're on the right path. Yeah. And um, so you, you, uh, this kind of all happened um, in early August, um, you know, late, late, late uh, July, early August. And I think a lot of the season was still very much up in the air. There was, um, you know, the Big Ten, I think even afterwards came out and said that they weren't going to have a season. Um, and, there was this whole other movement of the we want to play. I was wondering if you um, could talk a little bit about how how those two mov- movements came together and whether um, you think it uh, like maybe undercut the 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 safety measure portion of the we are united movement or if it was um, working well in tandem. Uh, I feel like initially people uh, saw them as saw the two groups as oppositions, but at the end of the day, like um, no one from the We United movement was expressing that they didn't want to play. We just wanted to play safe, and we wanted to play with the guarantee that if our game, if if we had games canceled, that we didn't lose eligibility. You know, so it wasn't that like there was a um, a false narrative in the air that. Um, the We United players didn't want to play, you know, they're just complaining, you know, if you don't want to play, just opt out, you know, we heard that a lot, but it was just, it's not that we don't want to play, like, we want to, we want to make sure our brothers are safe, you know, make sure that, um, that if somebody gets hurt and, or if they have a COVID incident, that they don't have to miss the whole season. And that's their last year of eligibility and they they can't play football anymore because we're trying to force a season during the pandemic but not the best safety protocol so it was just um we were both after the right we were both after the same thing you know having a safe season so it was kind of easy easy for both groups to integrate and i mean it was on uh it was something that interesting that nationally 
college players were speaking up and in a and having a voice that's something that we don't usually see and even if even whatever they were saying you know it's something that is said in the president and college athletes uh, in the future going to be more likely to express themselves and really stand up for what they believe in so that's that's something that also I feel like we accomplished um, during the summer and what we did. Yeah, and I I think um, we'll talk a little bit later about how the movement of We Are United or even the idea of We Are United can expand and, you know, like you said, inspire the um, future generations of college athletes. I wanted to quickly know, so what what was the, you know, it seems like COVID was obviously a huge crux of the movement and what was the actual fallout or result? Um, were there measures that you think the We Are United movement helped bring in that added safety? And in general, you know, were they to a level that was satisfactory to what the cause had initially tried to uh, push? Um, I think the two big things were the uh, improved protocols because um, improved COVID protocols, because we were briefed before um, kind of led us to even making the list of demands and the, I mean, the protocols were really, really laxed. They weren't universal throughout schools. So like there was a lot of risk that players were going to face um, with COVID, not only through their teams, but uh, acquiring it from other teams. So getting that improved was something um, that we were, we were really looking out for. Um, it's still kind of, I mean, as you saw with the Pac-12 and all the cancellations that we had, um, obviously you can only do so much during a pandemic where a lot of these college cities um, have high populations and it's, it's not hard to contract the virus, even, even if it doesn't have any effects, like, there's just a, there was a lot of risk, you know, and you're not going to be 100%. And I'd say secondly would be the, the uh, guaranteed eligibility um, for players that for for everyone, you know. So this is just not a not a not like a year that didn't count, but a year that um, students can uh, catch up on school, you know. Um, potentially potentially pursue a degree after uh, undergraduate. You know, if someone was a graduate and they were planning on leaving after the season, you know, they have another year to pursue their degree and maybe uh, get a master's. And as well as if games were canceled, as we saw, um, Arizona State had a few games canceled, Utah had a few games canceled. Um, if you only were to play four games, you weren't cheated out of a whole season, you know, cause that would be, that would just be unfair. So I feel like those were the big two um, that we saw accomplished. And what was the, what was the second half of the question? Um, no, I, I, I think you pretty much answered it. I was, I was just in general okay. wondering kind of what the aftermath was. And so it seemed like there was a lot of communication um, before the season in terms of 
what the goals were. And even I remember reading a lot of things about how um, players were talking between universities to figure out what the protocols were and how they were different bef- between universities and whether some universities were more lax. You know, some universities just did temperature checking. This wasn't in the Pac-12. This was, I think, Liberty University or something, but they, they all varied in the way that they implemented COVID protocols. Did those conversations continue during the season? And, you know, you talked about game cancellations. I can think of one example where UCLA was supposed to play Utah and they, that game got uh, canceled and then it was rescheduled. So you played Cal. Um, were the players part of those conversations? Like, were you talking to other players and other teams? And like, how were you receiving all the COVID news about, you know, cancellations and stuff? Um. I mean, it was just kind of something that after that Utah game, it was just kind of something that um, that you would kind of like cross your fingers and hope that it didn't happen to you. Um, at the end of the week, having a hard week of practice, you know, that was kind of a, something that was down, you know. Um, we had a hard week of practice, you know, ready to play. And we hear this news, you know, it's kind of, um, it, it hurts, you know, a little bit. But it was good that we got the the game rescheduled to Sunday. But um, we like player. I feel like players players all talk through teams, you know, because I mean we have guys that we know on other teams, and the the relationships that we made from the we are united and coming together. Um, we were able to communicate and kind of um, kind of give like pictures into how each of our teams were handling COVID and handling the season. And um, a lot of the, I mean, a lot of the reports were just like, it's really, I mean, we're doing the, schools are trying to do the best they can, but it's hard, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to have a season in a pandemic like this, you know, and uh, we're not employees. We're not like the NFL where you can test every day and you can, provide all these things for employees because we're, we're supposedly not employees. We're supposed to be um, student athletes. So you don't go to that level, but I mean, if we're student athletes, we're, we're like supposed to be students, you know, we, we see, we don't see any students at campus on campus, you know, um, staying like during the pandemic. So it's just like, we kind of got to see that. Okay. Like we can't, there was no way we're just students and we're more athletes than students, you know, like they, they put the student first, but at this point we're putting the athlete first and student is just something that you can do when you get home, you know? So it was, I mean, we were able to um, talk to each other and um, discuss kind of what, what went on um, at each school. And it was, it was interesting to hear from other guys yeah, and I think you kind of highlighted the, the thing that I wanted to talk about also, which is this whole concept of amateurism. And, you know, that's kind of the the, the, the the tale that NCAA always told in terms of how student athletes were described. Uh, it's an amateur sport, but a lot of other activities, even other sports that are not football were canceled at other schools. Yet football and like, you know, kind of to put it for a better term, like cash cow sports that generate lots of revenue for the NCAA continued. Was this something that 
you um, like think helped players realize their status or was this something that you had already known yourself? And how does that message translate more to the public? Um, I feel like it was something I already knew um, just because um, just have my, my father uh, also played college sports. So he, uh, he was providing me knowledge about things and he sees things a different way after um, being in college sports uh, in a different era and how it's changed from now. But I feel like as the season went on, and uh like guys would uh, i feel like guys would realize more like okay like i understand i i kind of understand what you guys are saying in the sum like because there would be i mean there would just be things like schools trying to force things or um you know like some situations where um like they the schools tried their best to be the safest but they're at some point, you know, there's there's just nothing you can do. So I feel like guys, uh, I definitely athletes that I talked to in the conference, um, kind of were were more open and awakened to the the exploitation of amateurism, you know, that goes on. I feel like the public, uh, I feel like the public saw it as well. Um, I mean, I hope they saw it just. Cause it's, I mean, it's hard. It's hard for the public to to empathize sometimes, you know, cause they just see the finished product. Um, they don't really see what goes into it, or, I mean, they don't see the like the late night studying, you know, the coming home tired after practice, got to go to class on Zoom, and you know that anxiety with that, you know, they don't really see that. They just see the Saturdays, you know, the big plays, you know, they don't, so it's, it, it's sometimes hard for them to empathize because they, you know, they'll never, um, they'll never really be in our shoes, but I feel like, um, I feel like they got a glimpse, you know, and they were able to see and more people, even in more people in sports media were able to see like, okay, like there's an issue here, you know, these, like, these players aren't amateurs, you know. We see these cases going up, and we see them, um, we see them lined up on Saturday. We see them even on their teams having cases, and it's still like, okay, next man up. When it's like, okay, we're in a pandemic. Like this isn't, you know, this isn't like a normal injury. This is a pandemic that's that's killing a lot of people, and really affecting homes. You know, um, economically destroying families, and we gotta football in school you know so it's just it was just like i feel like people people are starting to to shift and be aware of really what's going on in college sports with this i feel like the pandemic really shed light to it yeah and i think i think the pandemic also helped kind of raise the awareness and the the, the care for athletes because it's like these could be like 18 year olds who we still don't know the long-term impacts of COVID, you know, there was a study by done by doctors in the Big Ten who found this link to myocarditis, which is a heart um, infl inflammation problem, which can, um, you know, have a huge impact on someone. And the, the Big Ten implemented checks to check for stuff like that, but, you know, it could still happen. Now that, you know, I'm not saying that it doesn't look like 
the pandemic is like subsiding that much, but you know, under the assumption that it's not as bad next year as it was this year, how does the movement continue now that there kind of isn't that attention grabbing thing um, that people can see? How do you how do you grow the the goals of you know racial justice, um, name and likeness, compensation, stuff like that? How do you get the message out without something like the pandemic? Yeah, I mean, I say um, it's just I say it's again athletes using a platform, you know, with the NIL and the hearings that we have through that. You know, it's just I feel like um, athletes are put on this pedestal, and you can either and uh, I feel like we have a responsibility to um, use that pedestal for good and speak about things that can uh, improve the way of life for athletes and other and all students um, that that come after us. You know, we can't just we can't um, lose this moment. You know, I feel like there. I feel like there's eyes on it. There's a lot of eyes on it, especially coming up this season and with the NIL hearing. And I feel like there's an opportunity for athletes to come together and really get, um, kind of get the, get what they deserve. College athletes get what they deserve and um, speak out against the system and get the system changed. That, um, that would be the best for athletes. You know, I feel like right now it's not, it's not in the athlete's best interest and I feel like it can be improved and it can, it can be well for all parties, you know? So I feel like just athletes coming together and working towards that would be the best, uh, the best uh, next steps of action. Yeah. And I think one thing you had also just talked about, just mentioned was like the NIL hearings, which is a, a case, um, you know, about name and likeness uh, rights. And one thing kind of related to that is that the uh, Electronic Arts EA said they were going to release the football game. Uh, they're not going to release it under NCAA football anymore. They're going to call it EA College Football, I think. And one of the holdups on it and the reason why they stopped producing that game for a while was name and likeness rights. I think a lot of people really enjoy that video game, um, but they, and they were really excited to see it come back. Um, but from a student athlete's perspective, what do you think it signals that EA is saying that they can bring the game back without having secured name and likeness rights? And do you think it's good that the game is coming back, even if players might not get paid from from the uh, from the game coming back? Um, I read an article, or I mean, I read a tweet that said that um, EA was going to wait like two or three years to release until name, image, and likeness was um, clearly defined. So that's definitely a good thing because I feel like, um, like I feel like an app, I feel like um, a lot of college athletes, especially football players growing up, you know, we all played in CA. We all were like, oh, one day I'm gonna be able to play and be myself on a team, you know, that's kind of something that I mean, me myself, and I know a lot of others that I that are that are also uh, football players talked about. But I feel like um, bringing it back and having the correct name members and likeness, where players would get paid for like their likeness to be in the game. I feel like 
that would be, um, you know, that would be good for everybody, you know, because players will be able to play and, um, like, be, like, have that game back that is a large part of a lot of people's childhood, and they'll be able to see themselves, and then that's good. Um, they'll be able to, um, to have that, you know, that happiness, that joy of, you know, seeing all their hard work and being able to, to, to see themselves in a video game, you know? So, um, but I do there, I feel like players do have to be compensated for that, you know, bringing it back before would just, I mean, it would just put us back to where we were in 2013 when the last game came out. So that's that's why the, the name, image, and likeness hearings are so important, important because um, they can, they will do a lot of good for athletes and athletes' families, a lot of families that are uh, African-American and come from low-income na- neighborhoods, you know? So I feel like the that's why the, the NIL is so important and athletes should should have and should be able to make money off themselves, you know? That's, um, like, that should be a given. But here we are, you know, all the way to Congress. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But definitely, I mean, it's definitely something I'm looking forward to uh, if we can do things right. Yeah. Um, I think you, you raised a lot of good points about how much the movement has come so far and how much more there is still to go. Uh, how many more, you know, even different different sports organizations. I was reading something about how the NCAA lost $800 million last year um, not having the uh, March Madness. And I remember hearing a story that Duncan Robinson, who is a basketball player on the Heat, he said in his time with the Michigan basketball, when they made the Final Four in 2018, they were thinking about boycotting the media day to raise attention for student athletes um, in large. Do you think there's a possibility of having those kind of big scale actions or do you think that it's it's so difficult to organize things like that? And is that even the correct messaging? Should it be done uh, outside of, you know, to not try and disrupt the money-making machine or is that the best way to go at, go for it? Uh, for me, I feel, like, um, I feel like that's the only way because uh, if there there was if there was an easy if there was an easier way you know athletes would have already done it um it's not like we're the first athletes to realize like that we can make money off ourselves and that that we should have access to our our, our nil rules and i mean college athletes have came a long way but and a lot of college athletes have made sacrifices to get us to where we're at now but you know, um, there's still there's still a lot to be done. There's still a lot to fix. So I feel like um, like making a really taking a stand, like uh, Duncan Robinson said that they were going to do, would really send ripples and um, really have a lasting effect. I feel like what we did sent ripples and uh, changed how college athletes handle themselves and how college athletes speak out and um, it'll it'll be the standard you know we're we were really trying to bring athletes up and I feel like we brought 
we brought a lot of athletes up and athletes, college athletes will think higher of themselves than they did before. So I definitely believe athletes can organize and do, do the impossible because um, when you have a team and when you're, um, when you guys come together and put all your differences aside and work hard to achieve a goal, I believe you can always achieve that goal. I mean, that's what we do every day. So definitely if um, moving forward for the athletes that um, help take that next step for all athletes, I, I believe, I mean, whatever they do, I'll definitely be behind. Elijah, thank you so much for coming on. I've been, I'm super, super happy to hear about how far the movement has come, you know, what all you were able to achieve and seeing that the hope is still there, how much more you can. Um, so thanks so much for coming on, man. Thanks for having me.